Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else, which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working towards the day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Knowing him more and more, knowing me. Welcome to your Carl House and now, a senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. Bless God for the privilege and the opportunity to always share God's word. It's key that you don't miss the building blocks of teachings that is going on in the church, there's a building block, there's a building block that when you miss a service, you are missing a gap. It's just like that. I have said to you that Christianity is a knowledge-based religion. Christianity is knowledge-based. That is why it is in knowledge, we are effective, and it is in knowledge we grow. Christianity is a knowledge-based religion. It is the reason why knowledge makes us effective in Christianity. Because it's knowledge-based, our effectiveness is on knowledge, and our growth is on knowledge. The Bible says we grow by grace in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So spiritual growth is by knowledge. Spiritual effectiveness is by knowledge. Spiritual growth is by knowledge. Spiritual effectiveness is also by knowledge. Again, we have said that ignorance keeps the believer in captivity. And knowledge liberates the believer. Ignorance keeps the believer in captivity. Knowledge liberates. Ignorance, captivity, knowledge, liberty. And then the adversary, our adversary, the devil, operates by our ignorance. Are you here? It's very important that the devil operates or defeats the ignorant believer. Again, we also learned that spiritual things are taught, or better still, that's why the foundation of our Christian meeting is teaching. Everything Jesus did, he taught. He taught prayer. He taught miracle. He taught faith. Even when he had said that my father's house shall be a house of prayer, he didn't start praying. The Bible says he sat to teach. So teaching is critical and fundamental in our Christian work. You can't underestimate it. You can't undermine it. We can't overemphasize it. Can't undermine, you can't underestimate. We can't overemphasize teaching. So, for months we've been looking at, are you listening to the leading of the Spirit? That's been the theme. Are you sure of what you are listening to? And I started by saying it's a rhetorical question. A rhetoric are you sure what you are hearing is God? 
because it's very common in our Christian work, especially in the charismatic Pentecostal where I'm part of, is that we easily say God said. God said, God said, the Lord is telling me. I feel, I hear, I see. The Lord saying. So we have to be sure that whatever you think is a leading or whatever you think you are hearing is God. I remember in my early years, I'm still early in Christianity. When I was in the Pukwari, um, I had friends that everything we knew, we, we do or we did, it has to be by the instruction of the Holy Spirit. And one of it was food. What food we bought, God has to speak. And there was this Yokogari I loved very much. But every time the spiritual man said, the Lord said, Yokogari was polluted. God always, there were two of them. There was the Yokogari and this special rice, Asantasi. Oh, every time the Lord said that food was polluted. So when, when we set off to go and eat as a team, like how Jesus and disciples would go out, when we are going, then the spiritual head will say he wants to descend. I can go and see, I fasted, and I'm in high expectation that that sweet rice, the Lord will help me to partake of it. Then our spiritual guru will just stand by the kiosk of the rice cellar and do my mama too. The Lord said, Not today. Because all my desires were not His will. You know, I sit back today, I'm like, God can tell me the food is polluted, I shouldn't eat. Because He couldn't protect me. And several people were eating it and God didn't care about them. He wanted all of them to be whatever it would be. So, it moved from food and the direction of food to the next level where one day a couple of them said the Lord said they should leave school. That the passion and the ministry and his coming is very near. Talking about 1994, 1995, 1996. So was very near so they left school. They never enrolled in any school again. Since 1994. Because of the Lord's coming. It's been how many years now? The Lord is still coming. That means they could have finished their school. I finished. We are all still doing church and all waiting for the Lord. So it is important as a believer 
to be sure what you are listening to. It's important. It's important. It's, 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 it's actually the inspiration for this teaching I've been on for, I think, six months we are going. So, are you listening to the leading of the Spirit or are you sure of what you are hearing? Because I don't think they had, my friends had bad intentions. They had passion for God and their passion led them. So today we can sit. We've had this discussion before. They have admitted it was not the Lord. Was it wrong to do something for God? No. It is wonderful to do something for the Lord. But even for the Lord, you have to make sure you are hearing God well. I went through education. I can read. At least I read. Oh. I read. I can at least communicate in English. I still have them struggling to construct simple grammatical sentences. And today they sit back and see they made a mistake. Very zealous, very passionate for the Lord. But are you listening? Are you sure what you are hearing is God? It's very key. So that in Christianity, we don't use the Lord said to intimidate anybody. Sometimes the Lord said then becomes like your hands are at your back. When the Lord says the Lord said, when it is scriptural, we're okay. And it's still a choice. You see, there's another aspect of God. He doesn't force you. God didn't force Adam. He gave Adam a leading. You see, God's nature doesn't change. God led Adam. Adam did not just follow. That's why when you hear people say, oh, the Lord told me to do something because I didn't do it. He has struck me with sickness. You don't know the Lord you are talking about. If God is in charge, certain things won't happen. You don't know the Lord you are talking about. Because the Lord you are talking about was in charge. Only one population in the world. Adam. And Adam still didn't listen to him. God led Adam. God told Adam the day you eat that fruit, you will die. He warned him. So don't take left. If you take left, this will happen to you. Meaning take right, tree of life. He didn't. He doesn't force. He leads you by his word. That's where we're going. So one of the key things we learned in this series is the fact that the believer does not lack leading. Very emphatic that the believer does not lack the leading of God. And the reason is simple. God is light. And if God is light and light is for direction and you have light, there is no way you will lack leading or direction. 
I take it again. We said the believer does not lack the leading of the spirit. The reason is that the God of the believer, the father of the believer, he is light. And light is for direction. Light is for clarity. When something is not properly seen, when light is thrown in the place, it becomes clearer. So you can't have the light of life, which God says he is, and lack direction in life. You can't have the light of life and not and lack direction. Then we solved a myth. And the myth was that you pray for God to lead you. And we said, the believer does not pray to be led. Because they that are led by the Spirit, they are the true sons of God. So the believer does not become a believer. And when he becomes a believer, he prays that God should lead him. Rather, because he is a believer, he is automatically led. A believer doesn't pray to be led. A believer is automatically led by virtue of who he is. And I gave a simple example as, as parents to children, we guide their life because they are young. We choose their schools for them. We choose what they are eating. Babies, children. I don't know why I went to the nursery school I went. I don't know why. Even where you are born, you don't decide. Interestingly, I always thought I was born in Kumasi. I just found out I was born in Accra. Because my mom was then staying with her cousin who was married to a professor in Legon, Professor Bami. So, I was a Legon student. <laughs> I didn't choose where I'll be born. But my mom went right back to Kumasi. Because she was staying with somebody, she couldn't stay with the person. In fact, I was conceived on Legon campus. That's why school is in my body like that. I was actually conceived there. My father was on his way to lecture when he met my mother. So I was conceived in Legon. Born of a virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Oh, God. Are you here? So the believer does not lack leading. You can't be a believer and God doesn't guide you. The problem with us is that we've not even been told we are led for us to pay attention. So what the believer rather does is to pay attention to the leading of the Spirit. We don't pray to be led. We pay attention. We pay attention. We pay attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then another interesting myth we sorted out was that through the years, 
we were told the leading is from outside. That the voice of the Lord is outside the believer. But because God gave you his spirit and he lives within you, the transmission house to God's leading, God's voice is in the believer. So the myth of hearing many voices or the voice of the Lord sounding like many waters. No, they are figures of speech that has been wrongly interpreted. So all along, we, because like I say, most of the movies we watch, we hear God speaking in a certain way. I am the Lord. With echo. So there is a myth, perception created based on those ignorant movies to think that's how God speaks. So every believer assumes, or sorry, most believers, or a number of believers assume that God speaks to you from outside. So there is a voice from outside. But rather, the scriptures consistently point to us that God lives within us. So God will live within you and speak from outside of you. Does it make sense? That, where are you? I am in the house. So if you are in the house and you are to talk to me and you are in the house, you can't be talking from outside the house when you are in the house. So if God is in of me, Within me, in me, if God will talk to me, he will talk to me from where? From within. It's one of the series I'll be doing. If I finish the gifts of the spirit, if I don't do it this year, I'll do it early next year. Called the inward witness. How... To understand the inward witness. Because there's always an inward witness. So the transmission of God. You know how if you want to tune a a radio station, you need a radio with a pole. Those days you pull it up and then you start searching. Because the transmitter is out. You need to catch it. This time, the transmitter of God, his voice, his leading is within you. When we know these things, it will help us to pay attention to within than to without. But because we've been taught that God speaks from outside, you will never pay attention to things within your heart. Sometimes somebody strongly comes on your heart so much. You didn't imagine it. The person didn't do anything to you. You didn't meet the person to remind you of the person. Sometimes after prayer, you just have a strong edge within you to maybe pray for somebody or call somebody or to do something. And how do I? That's also another aspect of God's leading. Are you here? So I have to understand one. I don't lack direction. The reason I don't lack direction is that the light of light 
the God of light, is my father. And number two, he's within me. So his light is in me. So as a Christian, I don't lack leading. I don't lack it. Very important. And then two, I have to know and understand that the transmission of God's message, the voice of the Lord, is not outside of my body. The voice of the Lord is in me. If the voice of God is in me, then I must pay attention to within Spirit of God is in me. My spirit is united with God. Then we looked at another aspect called the will of God. And we pick it from the angle of Jesus being God's intent. Logos means God's idea, God's plan. So if Jesus is God's plan, God's desire, Jesus is the one who pleases God. If I want to please God, I don't need to create my own route but just have Jesus. So, we again learned that having Jesus means I please God. Because this is my only begotten son in whom I am well pleased. So if Jesus pleases God and I have Jesus, it means my life pleases God. Then we wanted to know the will of God. And Christ is God's will. So if I have Christ, I have the will of God. And then we understood that Christ, Jesus, who is the will of God, is the written word. He is the word. So if I have to know God's will, understand God, I need to know his word. His will is his word. And his word is a person called Jesus. The word of God is the will of God. I'm taking my time. Going over again. The word of God is the will of God. So if I want to know the will of God, I should know the word of God. And then the word of God is a person. So if I want to know the will of God, which is the word of God, which is a person, I have to know Jesus. Does it make sense? The will of God is his word. So to know God's will, I must know his word. Then John has taught us, and we see it through our scripture, that God's word became flesh. He became a human being. His name is Jesus. So the will of God, which is the word of God, is a person, and the person is Jesus. So if I want the will of God, which is now his word, which is now a person. Knowing Jesus will help me to know God's will. Does it make sense? The will of God is his word. His word became flesh. Dwelt amongst us, he became a human being. His name is Jesus. So if I want to know the will of God, I know his word. His word is a person called Jesus. So knowing Jesus, I know the will of God. That is why Paul would say that my effectiveness in working with God 
is dependent on knowing Jesus. That is why Paul will say, my ability to know Jesus will help me to know what is the will of God. What is the perfect will of God? Because the perfect will of God is in God's word. And God's word is a person. And the person is Jesus. And the person is in me. So my ability to know me and what I have, what Jesus has done will help me to know God's will and to stay in his will. Am I communicating? I go over again. It's simple. Except you are overthinking. What is God's will? How do I know God's will? I can, only God, I can only know God's will through God's word. What he says will let me know what his will is. So God puts two trees, knowledge of good and evil, life. He says don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It will let me know that what he has said is what his will is. His will is that I shouldn't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But I should eat of the tree of life. Are you following? So his word is where we see his will. Then we understood by the word of God that even what God says and what his word is, is a person. His word is a person. His word is his will. I want to please God. How do I know and to please God? By what he says. Then what he says is a person. So knowing the person will let me know God's will. The person of Jesus, what does he stand for? He stands for salvation of humanity. The reason for Jesus is that men will be saved and come to the liberty of Christ. That's God's reason for bringing Jesus. So to know God's will is very simple. When I know what Jesus is passionate about, I will know what God is passionate about. What I know when, when, when I know what Jesus stands for, I will know what God, Jesus, God stands for. Because he's the express image of his person. He's a true reflection of who God is. Christo, he is God's imprint. So I can only know God through Christ. I can only know what God likes when I look at what Jesus likes. Am I making sense? So Jesus came to show us there were speculations about God. God in sundry times. In sundry times and in diverse manner. The prophet spake. But in this last of days, God is seen in his son. Hebrews chapter 1. From verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 from the verse 1. Mm-hmm. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken by his son, spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, 
by whom also he had made the world, who being the brightness of his glory. So his son is the brightness of his glory. And the express image. His, of his son country. is the express image, image character, identity of what? His person. The, he, that means he says Jesus carries God's exact character. Image is not picture. Image in English is picture. In Greek and Hebrew is not picture. So Jesus is the one who carries the exact character, the exact heartbeat, the exact will of God. He's the express image of God's nature. Look at, let me see what the amplifier says. If it will help us with some, so I'm going to try Canada. Hebrews chapter 1, the verse 1. In many separate revelations... Did you see that the Amplified didn't start the sentence with God? Because in the Greek, they don't start a sentence with God. So when you read the Amplified, he did better than the King James did in interpreting that verse. He says, in many separate... Revelations. Revelations. Each of which sets forth a portion of the truth. So... It is the men who were giving separate revelations. In many separate revelations, which all set a portion of the truth. The truth. And in different ways. And in different ways. God spoke of old. God now speaks uh-huh, of old to our forefathers. Uh-huh, in, in and by the prophet. In and by the prophet. But in this last of days. But in the last, but in the last of these days, in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the passing of a son. He has spoken to us in the person of his son. Who is the son? Whom he appointed heir. Who and he appointed or he appointed what? Heir. Heir and lawful owner mm-hmm. of all things. Of all things, I've told you. Oh, should I be doing this? He says he appointed heir of all things. When you see all. It doesn't mean the whole world. No. Or in contest. Jesus was appointed heir of all things. What then will be the all things? Also by... Hold on. I'm asking a question. If he appointed Jesus heir of all things and all is not all out of the context of what he's speaking, what all has he been talking about? Anybody? Start again. When we read, we don't pay attention. That's our problem. In many separate revelations. He says in many separate revelations. Each of which sets forth. Each of these revelations, they set forth a portion of the truth. Of the truth. Uh Uh-huh. And in different ways. And in different ways. God spoke of old. God spoke of old to to our forefathers. In and by the prophets. In and by the prophets. But in the last of these days. But in the last of these days. He has spoken to us. He has spoken to us in in the the person person of of his son. Whom he had had appointed heir. heir, And lawful owner of all things. So what is an heir? He has, he has appointed her and lawful owner of what? All things. And I'm asking you, the all things is what? It's very simple. All things that the prophets have spoken in many portions of the truth. He's simply saying like what Jesus said in John 5.39. Moses wrote about me. So all the things that the prophets spoke 
in diverse manner. Separate portions of the truth were concerning Jesus in different ways. So whatever Moses was saying, whatever they were doing, they were just talking about Jesus in separate ways. Because he has been appointed as the fulfiller of the things that they have said. There. Are you here? So, in sundry times and in diverse manner, the prophets speaking were concerning Jesus. It's consistent with the truth of the scripture. Luke 145. We have seen him of whom the prophets did speak about. So, Hebrews can never write what has not already been said. It's just like what Luke also said. Oh, fools and slow of her to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So what the Hebrews writer is saying, he's saying what Luke 24, 25 says. Luke 1, 5 says what? 45 says what? John 1, 45, sorry. John chapter 1, the verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and, and said unto him, mm-hmm. we have found him. We have found him. Of whom Moses in the law. Of whom Moses in the law. And the prophets And in write, the prophets this speak about. Jesus of Jesus Nazareth. of Nazareth. The son of Joseph. The son of Joseph. So go back to the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4. Amplify again. Hebrews he said, chapter 1 from the verse 1. Mm-hmm. In many separate in many separate revelations, each of which each set of forth, it. Eh? Each of which set each forth, of the revelations of the Old Testament books, they set off portions. A portion because the, the whole truth was not with them. So this one is giving us part. This one is giving us part. So when you add all that they said together, you will find what God is talking about. So in many separate revelations, which each of the revelation set forth a portion of the truth. And in different ways. And in different ways. That's why today you see them using a lamp for confession. Tomorrow they are doing ordinances, festivals. They are eating bread. So it is not only, watch this. It is not only the animal sacrifice that was a shadow of Jesus, even their festivals. That is why the festival called Pentecost, what we have turned into communion service, when they were eating that festival, Jesus stood at the table and said, do you know that this bread that you eat, it is a representative of my body, which is going to be broken. Oh, the wine that you drink. It is a sign of my blood which will be shed for many. So anytime you are doing this, have me in mind that this thing that you Jews celebrate, it was a portion of the truth that was set apart to point to Jesus. Are you getting it? So God in separate ways. The prophets use things to typify Jesus. But he says, in the last of these days. Now when the one they used to talk about came, There's no more to use symbols and tokens to talk about Jesus. God speaks in Jesus. Who is the exact? Are you getting it? So before he came, they are using signs and tokens to talk about Jesus. So like somebody will say, He is is Abraham's lamb. He is Aaron's rod. He is Moses'. You know that? Have you heard that? Wonderful things they say. So, each, he's, he's Noah's ark. 
he's whatever. All these things were just truly the ark of Noah represented salvation. Truly. The serpent that Moses lifted in the wilderness so that when you were bitten by a snake, when you look at it, you'll be saved. It was just to represent Jesus being exalted and men will be saved. That's why Jesus quoted it. In John 3, 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, I will be lifted up and whoever will believe in me will have everlasting life. So he says, those days, they use these things to talk about me. So in sundry times and in diverse manner. Are you getting it? That's it. Verse 2. Mm-hmm. But in the last of these days, he mm-hmm. has spoken to us in the person of a son. In the person of the son. Whom he appointed heir and lawful Who he has appointed heir of all things. So I've told you that all things, anytime you see the word all. It's like saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When the moment you think God gives you power to beat somebody, something is wrong with you. Because all things does not mean all things. Because no verse of scripture is outside of the context of the verse. You stand within what he's talking about. So when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we have to go back and find out what is the all. Not assume that if I don't go to driving school, I can just drive because Holy Spirit will come into me. The Holy Spirit does not empower you to do all things. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do some things. And you have to only find out what is written in the Bible, the Holy Spirit empowers you. One of it is that in Acts chapter 1-8, he says, And ye shall be with tarry ye in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, and you shall be my what? Witnesses. So one evidence we can see the Holy Ghost empowers you to do is to preach about Christ. Before you start imagining, I will make money through Christ who strengthens me, you are lying. There are a lot of people without Jesus who are rich and a lot of people with Jesus who are suffering. Because one of the things the Holy Ghost empowers, money is not part of it. Are you here? That's why I've said it a million times. There's nothing God gives that is for only one person. Everything God gives is for all of us. It's given. Salvation is given. Obiadia. The only difference, one of the things I'll be teaching on Sunday, is responsibilities and positions. That's the only thing that is different. So God has not made everybody general overseer. Even though all of us are saved. In teaching of responsibilities and positions and persons in the body of Christ, in the local church, one of the things we are treating on Sunday. That we are all saved by God, all have salvation, but we are not all the head pastor. He put in the church, firstly, apostles, secondly, prophets, thirdly. So, Jesus, look at where I came from to come and arrive here. Jesus is God's word. That's what I was just trying to explain to you. So he says he's the brightness of his person, the express image. Please finish that one, verse 3. 
That image in the beginning, let us make man in our image, is somebody who had God's nature. Adam didn't have God's nature. It was presented to him, he didn't take it. The only way you get a man gets God's nature is through the gospel. I remember a pastor called me on radio to argue with me that Adam was in the image of God. I explained because his word, he thinks that image means face. Say, am I saying that Adam had the image of an animal? We argued for one hour. Because to him, the word image is like how you draw somebody. Image is nature. The nature of God, which can only be received through God's word, was presented to Adam. He didn't receive it. So when you get born again, you receive God's nature. And you are effective in the nature as you read the word of God. That's why the word of God is the mirror that shows you who you are. So a child of God does not do this. A child of God can't be tied by the devil. A child of God, no, 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 no. Your destiny cannot be in a bottle. You are not Alibaba. Are you here? So we understood emphatically that the believer... Is led by God's word. So I don't like the will. I don't like, I don't like direction. The word of God is direction. The word of God is a person called Jesus. That Jesus lives in me. So the believer does not like direction. And God does not lead me outside. He leads me from within. Is that clear? Then key things we, we did last week. Okay. <laughs> I pick a wrong note. That's wonderful. So key things again, I said that a believer does not lack knowledge. He doesn't lack direction. The believer, because he's a child of God, he's led by God. God is light. And because God is light, every believer lives in light. John chapter 8 verse 5. Is that it? 8, 12, yeah. John 8, verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 12. Mm -hmm. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, Then spake Jesus again unto them and said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me, he that followeth me, shall not walk in darkness, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of But life. will have the light of what? Of life. Of life. Anybody that follows me can't walk in darkness. That's why the believer does not walk in confusion. A child of God cannot be confused on what to do or what not to do. A child of God cannot be confused on what to do or what not to do. A child of God cannot be confused. Because the child of God has the light of life. We said that the primary way that God leads 
as believers is via the written word. Note, I didn't say the only way. The primary way, the primary way that God leads and guides the believer is via the written word. The primary way God leads and guides us believers is via the written word. That is the epistles which are the revelation of Christ. God guides the believer by the written word. And in our study of the written word, we came to a conclusion that the Old Testament, which is the scriptures needs explanation. That's why it was called mystery. And the epistles, which is also called the revelation, is the explanation of the mystery. Old Testament is called mystery. Why is it called mystery? Because they use things, typologies, if you, it's not being explained to you, you can't understand. Example is Genesis, where people think Adam ate a fruit. Some even graduated to say it was apple. Some even denomination even say it's fornication. Very strange. Because they are not paying attention to the language of that day. They forget that Moses who wrote Genesis, has never seen computer before. He doesn't even know the English language. He doesn't even know there's a language called English. Moses was trained in Egypt. He schooled in Egypt. He was born in Egypt. So his writings, his examples, would definitely be from that civilization. So it needs to be explained. If you don't explain it well and you take them literally, you get it wrong. What did he use tree to represent? Life as a tree. Tree of life. So you need to get what he was writing about. Then you get the congregation he was speaking to. Then you can get the language it was communicated. Then you have to understand their figures of speech. I remember several years, I used to think there's something called lake of fire. I didn't know it was an oxymoron. Ignorance, eh? So I, I remember several years, I preached that there is a lake like fire. Where you'll be thrown into the lake to do the work and swear a jack. <laughs> but it's a style of communication in the Greek lexicon and their language where, like we also know, it's also in English. An oxymoron is to use two opposites to speak about a thing. So lake and fire, water and fire are not... So if you don't pay attention to the words that are used, you start creating denominations. 
Are you here? There are several of them. If I take you through, I won't go to where I'm going. Several things. Several things we read, we don't pay attention to the language. I remember I explained to you that in, 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 in Opoku, it's actually, it's a slang in Kumasi. Chalemitri bomurof. When an Ashanti or an Owas boy says mitri bom, literally mitri bom is my head is what? Knocking or bashing. It doesn't mean his head is doing anything. He's either he's under pressure. <laughs> but it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a mode of communication. So if you take it literally, you will misunderstand what he's saying. There's a very funny joke in Opoku High School. I remember one of our terms is when we go to dining hall and you are not a senior and you are a junior. The seniors on the table have authority over the table. I know if you have been to body house, you understand that game. One of it is that sometimes when somebody is not there, let's say when they are sharing kinky, everybody is supposed to get one kinky, one fish. But if you don't come, your kinky and fish goes to the most senior person on the table. How many of you know that? Yes. So in Opokwari, we have a term called bill. If you don't come, let's say, start eating is 9 o'clock. By 9, 1, you see a bill. Your bill means you have eaten your food. Listen to what I'm going to say. Your bill, which in literal key is open. But in Opokwari, open, your bill means we have chopped your food. So when we see, start eating, we don't see you. Then we start sharing. The seniors there will start sharing the food. So it also applies to all the teachers and everything. So when they start eating, they close the dining hall door so you can't enter if you are late. Then one teacher, he was late. So the other teacher started sharing his food. Then he came, he says, Mabo Mumbiemi. <laughs> and then whilst he was screaming, Mumbiemi, they, they thought they, he said they should eat his food. I said, Mumbiemi, I know Mumbiemi. I said, open me, then you are opening me. Do you get what I mean? Meaning he's saying they come and open their door. They also thought he's saying that they should chop his food. Because open means eat your food. And open in literal terms means open the door. So when he was saying they said, open me, they also thought they said he said they should eat his food. So they started eating his food. Then he started screaming at the back. Mumbiemi, I know Mumbiemi. Do you, do you get what I mean? So the same way, every language and the figures of speech that they use. So if you don't pay attention to the figure of speech of the Bible, you start creating doctrines and religion. So language has led a lot of people setting up denominations. Because we are not paying attention to what is written. Are you here? So there are several terms that are used. John has had a revelation. 
It is a revelation. The first thing the Bible says, these are the things he saw in the revelation. You should know that you can't take the words in revelations literal at your first reading. But unfortunately, people read it. That's why we have says, 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 and all these things that people have created movies about. Because they forget that the book itself, in quote, was like a dream somebody had. And not everything you see in dream is literal. Because there are some wonderful things that can happen in dream. It can never happen literally. You can see a dream and you are sitting on a lion. You can even say bye-bye to a lion. But in a dream it is possible. That's why a, a pharaoh can have a dream and see small, small cattle swallowing big, big cattle. If he took it literally, he would have destroyed a whole generation out of poverty, uh, out of hunger. As somebody needed to interpret to Pharaoh that the big cattle were a symbol of the harvest days or years, and the smaller animals were a symbol of the farming years. So even then, they were interpreting dreams. Then John the Revelation has a revelation on Patmos. On the island of Patmos, he lied down and had a vision. And in the vision, he was told, write these things that you see. Then we have taken it as literal. That's, that's, that's the problem. We don't take our time to read. The person writing the book says, this is a revelation I had. That's why he uses, oh God. He uses words like, thou art neither hot nor cold. And I will spit you out of my mouth. Was not literal. There's a river in Israel. One produces hot, one produces hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll teach all that. Spitting out of your mouth was not literal mouth. It's a revelation. So they all need the word of God to interpret it. So the primary way God leads the child of God is by the written word. And the written word, it more or less is like it's two. One is the mystery, which is the Old Testament, which has been explained in the epistles. So for a better way for me to know what God is leading me, when I read the epistles, I will know what God is saying. That's simply what I'm trying to say. That's why I teach and say, because my pastor taught me, that the epistles are the album of the Christian. The, the epistles are the family album. The epistles are the family album of the Christian. That is, if I want to know who a child of God is, I can find it from Romans to Revelations. Better still, if I know what God wants me to do or what he doesn't want me to do, without praying, without going to see any prophet, if I read from Romans 
to revelations, I will know. Why? Because the primary way God leads, guides us, is through the written word. And then we said, God will never lead or guide you that will contradict what is written. God will never lead you or guide you to do anything that will contradict what has already been written. Like, I just had a voice of the Lord telling me, I should kill so-so-and-so person. You should go to the written word and ask yourself, does God kill? Does God permit the killing of others? If you can't find, it can never be God leading you. Covetousness. God will never lead you into covetousness. It's there. Licentiousness. It's there. You can see it. That's why I gave a familiar one that when a Christian wants to marry and the person you are married is not somebody who loves church, who loves going to church, who loves the things of God, do I have to pray about it? Look, you can feel or have a dream and I had a dream those days had a dream you're putting a ring on my hand had a dream somebody said he had a dream in my former church that she was sweeping and I was collecting the rubbish (laughs) when she sweeps I collect when she sweeps I collect (laughs) so that means that God is saying something maybe God was telling her a business plan where would I have started? There was no um, Zoom Lion. See? Maybe the Zoom Lion ministry. That business was ours. To partner in the Lord. To sweep Accra and make Accra the cleanest city in Africa that the political parties are trying to achieve. She didn't foresee the dream of the Lord. She misinterpreted it. Your feelings can misinterpret dreams. That's the thing. Sometimes you have a desire already in your heart. So the moment you see something, hey, you don't even take your time. That's how sometimes when you have taken decisions already, praying about it becomes difficult. So you better find a neutral person. Do you know? Do you know if you are going to be real? When you have taken a decision and somebody tells you they heard the opposite, you disagree, you still go for another confirmation. Because you know now hope. Do you get it? Like you want to travel. You are bent on traveling. Then you go somewhere or somebody are praying there. Your sister says, ah, but the Lord is telling me that you shouldn't travel. Say, eh, really? Is it about the country... Hey, you want to, you want specification. And uh, maybe he doesn't want me to go to America. But say, hey, London is okay. I can even go to Papua New Guinea. You just want to. So you already have a desire. And the moment your desire is very strong, you start seeing things. So when people are in love and they start telling me the dreams they have, I don't listen to them. It's love dreams. You're already in the person's house already. Wow, soon smell the water. The bed also there. You start dreaming. See, Pastor, how are you sure that that's your? So I had a dream. It's like we're in a house and there was a family, and I was taking care of his children. Why not? 
This is incubus. You have already married yourself. So it's very easy to have imagination dreams. Okay, let me turn it the other way. Oh, just looking for somebody. Imagine you have a dream. This is just an example. Nobody should be offended. You have a dream and there's this beggar in your area. If you had a dream and saw that the beggar was putting a ring on your hand, would you not go for deliverance? <laughs> you would think that is spiritual marriage. <laughs> Abby? You think it's spiritual? No, no, it can't be. You will never take that one as God's leading for your life. Because, ah, no, no, no. Ah, oh, God forbid. Kai. Okay, I see some stupid dream I had last night. Have you seen that? One another is at our judge. That me every time I'm giving him five CDs. Can you imagine? The devil is a liar. Nobody can interact with my destiny. That owner is my husband. I'm but I have a dream and see a rich man. That day, you see how your worship spirit will come. Glory be to my God. You will sing praise and worship the whole day. Even when you hear worldly music, you turn it into you turn it into gospel music. True. You hear how much of the day song and start singing it spiritually. <laughs> so the written word becomes the guide to every leading and guiding of God. The written word. Because God does not contradict what is written. The power of the written word is the fact that it can be referred to. So when anybody says anything they saw, they heard in the spirit or in the whatever concerning you, simple question, does it contradict the written word? One of the key things I learned at the early beginning of my journey into the gospel is that personalities don't interpret the word of God. We allow personalities, the person who saw the thing. So a bishop can be very theologically wrong and see a vision and the whole body of Christ will be shaking. And I've told you that a man cannot dream above his theology. What you believe is what you take to dreams. The moment a person believes that some Christians will go to hell, every dream they will have about heaven and hell, they will see Christians there. It's their theology. The moment they understand God's word properly, that there is no way, if you have Christ in you, if a Christian will go to hell, it's two things. It's either that Christ entered and left the person's heart, or the person went to hell with Christ. 
And both of these two instances can't happen. Because Jesus had promised he will abide in us forever. So at what point does he leave to take you to hell? And then if he abides forever, and you are a Christian, and you are going to hell, it means Christ is going to hell. And how can that also be possible? Does it make sense? So the moment anybody preaches Christian in hell, we just need to pray for knowledge for them. They don't understand the Bible very well. Jesus told Nicodemus, it's not strange. Nicodemus was a teacher of the word. Jesus said, how can you be a teacher of the word? He don't understand these things. That's why I said personalities don't interpret the Bible. Don't say, oh, he is this person. Do you know how many years? Forget that one. The Pharisees have been reading the Bible from their childhood. And they were still misinterpreting scripture. They were still misinterpreting scripture. And people still do. Misinterpreting the scripture. To preach panic, fear. Instead of us preaching to Christians to evangelize, to walk the walk of love and in Christ, we are rather telling them to guard their salvation so that they don't lose it. So I'm busy trying to make sure I don't lose heaven. You say I should go and preach to who? I'm busy making sure, you know, like Paul uses a term, so that after I have preached this gospel, I will not be a castaway. The moment they heard castaway, Jerry! That's a sad thing. The moment he heard, I put myself in subjection, so that after I have preached this gospel, I will not be a castaway. Because in the subconscious, we still think believers will go to hell. The moment he said, so I don't become a castaway. The assumption is so that he doesn't go to hell. But he was not talking about hell there. Because he started the conversation, my goodness. Comparing the preacher of the gospel with an athlete. An athlete who receives reward. So he was talking about so he does not lose his reward. Not that he does not go to hell. He says if you are running a race and you don't stay focused. You may lose the reward of the the high price. So he stays focused on the truth he's received. He doesn't get himself entangled with this world. So that he doesn't lose the reward of service. That is what he used the term cast away. So when you start preaching it in anger based on what you already think is God's character and nature. Say Paul Christ You've missed it. Don't preach your anger. Allow the scripture to speak. Because the scriptures can't contradict himself. The scriptures can't. I explained it on radio. That if the scriptures were a newspaper, then there can be contradictions. 
Because if it's a newspaper, let's, let's say daily graphic, and then you go and call Kwesi Platt, and then you go and call um, Kwekubaku, they have their opinions. One will speak for, one will speak against. So you can find contradiction in their standpoint. But the Bible, that book, with many authors, all of them were inspired by one God to speak about one thing. So how can there be contradictions? Can't. Do you get it? If we don't see the Bible as that, then we will believe that, oh, James is contradicting Paul. Can never happen. Absolute. It can never happen. But what you see with them is the use of language. The use of language. So John loves the word eternal life. You'll be surprised Paul never used the word eternal life. He'll use another word. But they are saying the same thing. Example. If somebody says, he'll give you eternal life, and somebody says, you have the spirit forever. Is it two different things? No. It's just forever and everlasting. So there's language used in scriptures. And most of the times we don't pay attention to the language. The Hebrew writer uses who saves to the uttermost. It's the same as having eternal life. Then you hear somebody say, you will never perish. So you will never perish and you will have everlasting life. Is there a difference? It's a use of language. Never perish. Everlasting life means the same, but different vocabulary. That's it. So, if you study the Bible again, you see that one uses who will give you his spirit forever, and then one says you have everlasting life, and it's still the same. If you have the spirit forever, and you receive everlasting life, the spirit represents God's life. So if I will give you my spirit forever, I'm giving you my spirit without ending, and then I will give you everlasting life. It can never be two different things. All the authors are saying the same things, but all of them and the language they used. It's like how John again is the only person who used the word logos. He's the only person who calls Jesus the word. Luke never referred to Jesus as the word. But does it mean that Luke did not agree that the scriptures spoke about Jesus? He did. But he used a different term or different language. Am I making sense? So if we don't understand the language of the Bible, we will find ourselves having confusions in our mind. That's why you need to have a teacher. Nobody knows the word of God on their own. 
you have to be taught, and what you are taught, you go over to bring, then light is thrown, and there's clarity. Jesus is nobody's teacher. He used to be the teacher of the disciples. And the disciples taught others, who taught others, who taught others, who are teaching us. So Jesus is nobody's pastor as we speak. Because God gave gifts to men. So that men would teach you God's word. Somebody taught me. And the person who taught me was taught by somebody who also was taught by somebody. Are we here? It's important. So I'm laying these foundations to help you understand the spiritual side of you. When you understand the concept of the spirit in you, the spirit leading, this is what I'm doing. I have to establish with teachings to help you understand that at salvation you got the spirit of God. Then I have to help you to understand what the spirit entails. And one of the things the spirit entails is being led. One of the things the spirit entails is the gifts of the spirit. And then one of the things the spirit entails is the fruit of the spirit. So I'm teaching what you received. And then I am teaching what is in what you received. So after I finish teaching the gifts of the spirit, my next series is on the fruits of the spirit. This was a message from the general of Osea of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support, and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you, and there's nothing you can do about it.